I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 92 of the podcast. Happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. Okay, dads, I have a very important episode and an amazing guest to bring you guys today. As a matter of fact, I would say that this is my most important episode of First Class Fatherhood to date. With all the noise going on in this country right now, the problem of child sex trafficking seems to be ignored. I believe that has a lot to do with how uncomfortable it makes people feel to talk about the issue, but also because the people involved in it are tremendously wealthy and hold a lot of power. It is not as if there is just one or two cases of child trafficking going on. There are hundreds of thousands of cases taking place right here in the United States. As far as I'm concerned, this issue should be trending every day on Twitter until it's extinguished. We see marches and parades and sit-ins and protests for every single issue known to man. Where is the outrage against child sex traffickers? Where's the march on Washington? Where's the march down Fifth Avenue? These are our children, for God's sakes. This is our future. But I think much of that has to do with the enemy behind the evil. It is a powerful enemy. And if I had to create a character that would lead the fight against this enemy, I would make him a former Marine, or even more elite than that, I would make him an ex-Navy SEAL operator, or even going further than that, I would make him an ex-SEAL Team 6 member whose own child was abducted once, so he'd really be on fire to go get these bastards and fight this evil existence with everything he's got. And thank God for us... That man does exist, and he is my guest on today's episode. Joining me here momentarily will be Craig the Sawman Sawyer, the founder of Veterans for Child Rescue, and I am really humbled and honored to have a few minutes with this guy, so please stick around for this intense interview with Craig Sawyer. His foundation has picked up the fight to put an end to child sex trafficking. They're about a year or so in, and they are kicking ass and putting fear into the hearts of these pedophile pricks all across America. So let me smack you guys with a quick little spot here, and I will be right back with former SEAL Team 6 operator Craig Sawyer. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now is a First Class Father. He is a former member of the United States Marine Corps a former member of the United States Navy SEALs, and a former member of DevGrew, or SEAL Team 6. He is the founder of Veterans for Child Rescue. He is a combat veteran, a hero, a warrior. It is truly an honor for me to say, Craig, the Sawman Sawyer, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. All right, buddy. Let's do it. Okay, Craig, let's get this underway here. How many kids do you have, and how old are they? Well, I've got two kids. Uh, our daughter Aspen is 19, and Caden is 15. Okay, very cool. What type of sports or activities were they into? Well, Aspen was a cheerleader, and um, and she she likes to sing. She's got a angelic voice. She's been blessed with uh, with a, a voice uh, that's incredible. And uh, Caden 
And she's a little actress, too. And Caden played football uh, for about five years, and then uh, now he's he's just focusing on his schoolwork. So. All right. Did you ever have the opportunity to coach any of the kids, or did you kind of cheer them on from the sideline? I cheered them on from the sidelines, but I did speak to the to the teams and the groups uh, as a motivational speaker, speaker, kind of pumped them up on how to train in the off season. You know, what kind of ethic, the hard work to put in if they really wanted to win on game day. They had to put in the hard work during practice, and you know, to, to put out and, and uh, let the coaches see that they 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 meant business and that kind of thing was where championships were really earned. And then uh, just pump them up before the game, get them fired up so they could have a have a great performance. Okay, yeah, that had to be motivational for those kids, no doubt. All right, Craig, please take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what led you to starting the Foundation Veterans for Child Rescue. Yeah, well, my background, uh, I went to the Marine Corps and Navy SEAL teams, and then I even got picked up for what they're calling SEAL Team 6 now. Uh, Naval Special Warfare Development Group, and um, I got to operate at the highest level of counter-terrorist operations and uh, gotten experience in 56 countries now across the globe. Uh, so a lot of global travel and experience, seen all kinds of things out there. And, uh, did five years of federal law enforcement out that after that, and then almost a decade of high-threat dignitary protection for the U.S. Department of State and another intelligence agency that we don't talk about protecting their high-ranking officials over in the war zones and running their mobile security details. And so I've worked with a lot of good professionals throughout my life. And once I realized that the the problem of child trafficking was as big and pervasive as it was in the United States, I realized that making a documentary about it would be my best contribution at combating that problem so that we as a society could could fight it and stand up together and, and turn against it because our, our country, our beliefs, our laws are very soft on child trafficking right now, pedophilia. And so we need to, we need to harden that back up for the, for the best interests of the children. So I thought, I, a documentary would be a strong way to do that, to walk the American public through the harsh realities of what's going on with that. And uh, I started putting together Veterans for Child Rescue. And while I was working on getting the production together and, and building the organization um, foundation, our daughter was abducted in Tucson, Arizona, from a Subway sandwich parking lot by a... a a local lifetime criminal at Knife Point, and he took her and brutally assaulted her for hours. And so I got a call in the middle of the night. Um, my wife was, uh, her phone was on, and she had taken a call from her daughter. And obviously, it was a very upsetting phone call to get. Aspen was driving home uh, in hysterical uh, afterwards. So we got her to the hospital. We got her the help. We went through the process of um, the investigation. They did make the arrest, and so the, her perpetrator is in custody, but it has been 18 months now, and and my daughter still has not seen him stand trial. She's not had that satisfaction of seeing her attacker held accountable. He's been allowed to go through 14 public defenders because he'll fire one, and then he, they give him a new one. And they delay the trial, and then he waits a while, and then he fires the next one. 
So that's been very upsetting for for our daughter, probably uh, as much as anything. It's just been, been a horrible situation, and so we're just trying to get justice and get get to the court systems system to follow through on that. But uh, so a month after her attack, we officially founded and got the 501c3 status for Veterans for Child Rescue. And our daughter was was really wanting to, in whatever way she could, fight back. And later that year, she was able, well, it was actually February of the next year, uh, so February of this year. Her attack was in 2017, so February of 18. She actually went with us on a trip where we were working with federal and local law enforcement, and she served with our team of Veterans for Child Rescue as a junior decoy agent. And in that capacity, she would talk to the perpetrators a little bit online, show uh, photos of her face as a, as a type of proof of life as a decoy uh, to lure the predators in that were seeking sex with minors. And um, and then our our senior officials uh, would would talk to them and guide them in, and and our daughter would uh, escort them in the door, offer them something to drink, have have them sit down and pretend to do her homework at the kitchen table, and uh, and serve as a decoy agent. She had to wear body armor, and I'll tell you, as a father, I have been used to putting on my body armor and tactical gear and going into harm's way. Hundreds, if not thousands of times throughout my life. It's routine. It's normal. Uh, my buddies to the left and right are usually hardened Navy SEALs or Delta operators or CIA operators, and, and we all know the risks, and, and we're warriors, and we understand that. But I've never been prepared to take my precious little girl into an operation, into harm's way. And, and the, her counselor said, hey, Aspen thinks she might want to, participate and I initially said no 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 and my own wife said hey you should probably let her do that and get that's her way of fighting back and giving back a little and it'd probably be healing for her and I was like no 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 and our our team was like hey Craig you should probably let her do that so my daughter says all right I'm gonna find a way to do that with or without you papa and I was like oh my gosh so ultimately I gave in and I, I can admit it now, it was the right thing to do. Uh, but, man, I just I can't express how unsettling it is to have your own little precious baby girl. Uh, and our daughter, she's a petite thing, too, environment. Have the SWAT team run past her with guns up to uh, to, to handcuff this perpetrator and arrest him. You know, it's just uh, – it was a surreal experience. But, anyway, it was the right thing to do. Yeah, wow. What you just described there, Craig, is pretty much every father's worst nightmare come true. Uh, I pray that the bastard that harmed your daughter is hit with the book uh, for what he did. And I would imagine that once this guy found out whose daughter he messed around with, he's probably praying to stay in prison for a long time as well. But, man, how courageous of your daughter to fight back the way she has. I'm sure it went a really, really long way in her healing process. And I'm sure knowing that you were involved in the op really made her feel a lot safer. Uh, thank God for you and people like you who are willing and able to take on this issue because of the intensity of it. Let me ask you this, Craig. How bad is the child sex trafficking situation here in the United States? Well, it's as bad, if not worse, than anywhere. And, and I've learned uh, so much that I, I don't want to go into too much graphic detail, but it would turn your stomach and break your heart. Look, I'm a hardened combat veteran. This 
breaks my heart. I don't hesitate to say it anymore. It's messed up. When you learn what they do to the kids, a lot of these, these people are sadistic. They like inflicting harm on the innocent. There's an aspect to this that is all about deliberately harming and even murdering uh, the, the children. So it's just it's just very upsetting to deal with and, and, and learn about. So it's so pervasive. It is the fastest-growing criminal enterprise on Earth. So in short order, if not already, it will be larger than the narcotics trafficking trade. And we all have some sense by now after several decades of understanding how big that is. So $150 billion industry, and they estimate uh, 5 million children are are subjected to this. So if you imagine a pro football stadium packed full of people, I think a lot of those stadiums now they hold like fifty to 70,000 people, um, depending on which stadium it is. So imagine how many of those stadiums full of children you would have to replicate to get to five million little lives, and their lives are shattered by this. And that's the scale that we're looking at. And so United States, man, a lot of the politicians uh, have been corrupted over the years. They're into child trafficking. They make money from it, but they also gain political leverage by blackmailing each other and videoing each other at these big elaborate parties and islands and, and, and these events that they have. And so that's another aspect of it is the blackmail and the political power. But uh, And some of it's just, just uh, sexual perversion. So there's kind of a wide scope of it. And a lot of American males and Western European males will go to, to the Southeast Asian countries. They say about two-thirds of every Western male that gets off of a plane in Bangkok, Thailand, is there to take uh, part in the sex trade. Uh, one way or another. So they realize it's, uh, man, it's pretty pervasive. So a lot of, you know, our, our males will go there because they think that they have a less chance of getting caught over there. So there's a lot of sex tourism. Do the same thing to Central and South America. And they, they migrate, they, they bring children to the United States for the predator's abuse. So there's kind of a wide scope of how it's done, but man, uh, the, the the United States is is uh, certainly not immune to it, and it's in fact one of the more busy locations on Earth of uh, child sex trafficking and child abuse. So it's uh, it's dis- disheartening, it's disgusting, and it's something that we as a nation, I believe, we're better people than that, and I'm all about cleaning it up. Yeah, Craig, it is very scary to hear you talk about the numbers of our kids that are being affected by this. This is, that, that is terrifying. Uh, is there any particular group of children that are at a higher risk than others? Does race or religion factor into this? Uh, is it linked to economic status, or, or is it just more of a crime of opportunity? It crosses all boundaries as far as race and, and economic status, but runaways are number one. They'll take the runaways. Also, uh, broken and shattered families with a maybe a single mother that can't afford or doesn't have the wherewithal to get the legal representation. I'm getting overwhelming numbers of reports that Child Protective Services are taking children from single mothers and putting them into child sex trafficking, maybe not directly, but getting them 
moving them to one foster family that may be abusive, and then the child gets rotated to another foster family, and then eventually the child gets lost in the system and the child's just being sold on the, on the streets outright. So uh, there's a lot of ways that it happens. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the children that are least likely to fall victim are children from a family with a loving mother and father with a secure, stable household uh, where their children are secure, they know they're loved, and their parents watch after their kids and pay attention to what's going on in their in their their phones and with their their friends and in their online use. Because a lot of these predators now, instead of just being creepers that hang around the playgrounds and the shopping malls, oh well, now they're stalking our children online. So we may think that if we lock our cars and lock our windows and our doors at night and retreat to our master bedroom that our children are in, in their bedrooms safe, but they're not safe at all because the, the child that they think they're interacting with on their cell phone or their iPad or their computer or even their Xbox game may be, in a lot of cases, a, a predatory adult that's that's fooling our kids and and deceiving them and trying to work them into a, a compromised position. So they'll ask your kids for photographs and video of them that uh, once the, the child shows them a, a video that's inappropriate, then they'll, they'll use that as leverage to blackmail the child. Oh, you're going to get in trouble. Now you've got to show me more. Or now you've got to meet me around the corner so then I'll tell your your parents to get you in trouble. And so it's just very creepy, very dangerous. So we at uh, Vets for Child Rescue, we've got a list of apps. And we're going to be building out that page on our website more. But there's a list of apps that the predators use to stalk our children that don't have any business being on our child's phones. So I encourage people to go to vetsforchildrescue.org and look for that list of apps and, and assert yourselves um, and be invasive enough to ensure you that your child is safe and look through there and get rid of these these apps that are that are potentially very harmful. Yes, I will definitely be including a link in the description of this podcast episode that will take the listeners directly to Veterans for Child Rescue. And I encourage everybody to get over there and help out if possible, but definitely to be educated more about this at least. Uh, I'll tell you what, Craig, this reminds me a lot about that show from years back, To Catch a Predator with Chris Hansen. I, it was a show that was hard to watch, but I wish it was still going on. Is that is that a similar format to what you guys are doing to bring these guys down? Well, our sting operations uh, look a lot like that, only uh, I, I don't I don't come across quite like Chris Hansen. We, we've got a full SWAT team in the house that uh, will take this guy down right where he stands. So a uh, simpler concept, yep. Uh, the, the predator is after sex with a, a minor, which is a crime, and uh, and the, the predator demonstrates their their intent uh, repeatedly, and uh, and that's a prosecutable crime. And so we catch them before they get to their next child, and some of them get caught very early on. Some of them never get caught, and uh, and and they tell me that some of these guys, they, they harm the lives or ruin the lives of hundreds of children each. It's a serial predation. They can't, can't seem to stop. But they say that the average that each child predator harms is 70 children each. 
So everyone that we can arrest and take off the streets really changes, potentially saves and changes the lives of, of a lot of innocent little children. So that feels pretty good. Yeah, and it just seems like there's no rehabilitation for this uh, kind of thing. Well, once you're uh, sexually aroused or turned on by a little kid, that's not something you can rehabilitate or, or, or rewire. It's like something is askew in your chemical makeup. So really, what could be other than castrating or putting a tattoo on these people's faces that labels them as child rapists? What, what could really be done to get the message across to these people? Well, I think we've got to make examples uh, of the ones that are that are predatory that we can catch. I think we've got to stiffen the laws very harshly against it as a deterrent. Um, Bob Hamer was, he's on our board of advisors, a close personal friend of mine. He was with the FBI. He went inside of NAMBLA undercover, the North American Man Boy Love Association, and he arrested eight of their senior uh, members. So that was great work on his part. I think doing that kind of work really sends a message to let the predators know they're not welcome and, uh, and we will not have them destroying the lives of our, our precious and, and innocent children like that. So I think it's just a matter of a society rising up and standing against this. You know, Alfred Kinsey back in the 1950s taking to soften our laws, to soften our, our psychological medical uh, system to pedophilia, and to soften our academic system to pedophilia, to make it seem like somehow it was okay and healthy. It's not okay and healthy. It's a crime for a reason, and the reason it's a crime is because a child under 18, and now they're thinking maybe as late as 23 years old, their brain is not fully developed, and they cannot effectively articulate a an, an, an effective a refusal of a predatory adult. They cannot advocate for themselves against a predatory adult sexually. So the, the male, adult male predator can manipulate a child, and just because the child isn't fighting and screaming uh, to the point where they're a bloody mess doesn't mean that they're not horrified inside and does not mean that they will not be emotionally shattered and conflicted and guilty, guilt-ridden for the rest of their life on why they didn't fight more or why they didn't do something more or were they okay with it, are they a homosexual. There are all kinds of things that haunt these, these, these people for the rest of their lives, and I know that because we are interviewing hundreds of them now as adults, and they can articulate exactly how they, they feel about it, whereas when they were a child, not so much, just like, you know, my children. I ask them, how was your day at school? Good. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. come on, go into detail, explain to me more. You know, I'm, I'm sure all of us parents have that. We try to pull it out of our kids, and they're just not that expressive a lot of times. And so it's 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 harmful, and it's a crime, and it's not okay, and it's never going to be okay because children cannot advocate for themselves. So we as a society have to reverse the damage of what Alfred Kinsey did three generations ago so that we can stop destroying the minds and therefore the futures and the lives of, of our next generation. We've got to defend the defenseless. And that's something that we should all be on board with. There's no political party uh, one way or the other with this. It's just a basic human decency. It's, it really should be common sense. And, and I hope, uh, you know, more people 
uh, really look at it and, and understand that that is the, the reality. And so, man, I would rather have a child uh, avoid this than have to be rehabilitated and, and healed afterward. But uh, there are a lot of people doing good work on all aspects of this problem. But, uh, man, as a, as a country, we've got to beat it back because, man, the kids, are they're, they're our future and they're worth fighting for. Yeah, well said, Craig. And I have... All right, it is now time for a word from today's sponsors, and I'll be right back with more of the action on First Class Fatherhood. Four children myself, they have changed my life completely for the better. I mean, I really am so blessed to have them. And one of the things I talk about quite a bit on the podcast here is that family values, the family structure is so important, and the family unit really seems to be under attack here in this country, you know, throughout the media, through social media, movies, and TV. And once the family structure is broken down, once family values go out the window, there are disastrous results in the community and in the society. And some of those issues are being blamed on other circumstances. But if we trace it back to the root of the problem, it was a breakdown of the family structure at the genesis of it. Well, I've worked in a lot of different capacities over the years. And I, had, I didn't list them all you know, when I was given my intro because I didn't want to belabor the point. But I can, can predict whenever I see somebody that's got serious problems in their life, inevitably they came from a broken home. And they did not get the life that I would wish for them. I would want for every kid to have a loving mother and father and a, and a stable upbringing so that they could feel secure, they could feel loved, they could feel like they belong, because that's what allows them to grow up and live a productive life and feel okay. And I want that. I want that for everybody, but sadly it's not the case. And whenever I see people whose lives are just a complete mess, inevitably I find out that, no, they came from a really bad start. They, they, they did not get the benefit of a loving mother and father start like that. It's heartbreaking, but I think you're, you're hitting the nail right on the head. That family structure is so beneficial. It's so crucial at giving people a fair head start, man. I just, I think it's so important. You know, I was trying my best to provide for my family, and I was I was overseas on a surveillance gig. I was working for an intelligence agency, and one of my guys, I told him, I said, man, I went to you know, my daughter's little play, and, you know, I was so happy to be home, and, you know, one of the teachers looked me up and down like I was some sort of horrible person and said, oh, I guess you do really exist after all. I'm like, man, I guess I'm over here too often, but I'm, I'm trying to provide everything they need. And he said to me, he goes, you know what, saw man, he says, uh, what I find is kids spell love, T-I-M-E. And I felt like I got hit with a, with a ton of bricks. It just was an epiphany moment. Sitting right there in that vehicle, I just sat back in my seat and I, I just thought, oh my God, I'm missing it. I'm risking my life over here almost getting blown up and shot up every day, potentially running all these bad roads and, and hanging out, you know, uh, in very dangerous situations to make as much money as I can so that they have everything they need, but what they really need is their papa to be there more. And so that's when I shifted um, my profession and, uh, and did everything I could to be home more. So I think that's something that's, that's important. My, my mom and dad were, were there for us, and I thought that was normal to have a leave-it-to-beaver-style household where mom and dad loved each other and stayed together all the time. And 
and uh, they told you they loved you and hugged you good night and and all that and that things were were uh, were nice and I realized as I grew that uh, man that was rare you know it's not the norm and it's 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 way in the minority and that's that's a shame because it's so beautiful and so beneficial I think our it, that's what would make our our society strong and I think you you're right when you said the family unit is under attack and it's under attack uh, very deliberately by our nation's enemies because that is the, the backbone of this country is what makes strong, capable, viable citizens that aren't easy to abuse. Yes, and not only is it tragic because of what happens to the child who grows up that way, but it's sad for the whole community as well because we never get a chance to experience the greatness that we know is in that child. We never get a chance to experience that person's talent or or benefit from what that person has to offer to society because it is robbed from so early on in life, and it's robbed from many of us, all of us in a way. Yes, sir. I think that's that's a very important way to look at it. Uh, We're all robbed, and I think we'd all love to see each person rise to their full potential, you know, and, uh, you know, some, some kids uh, over, overcome a rough start and, and God bless them for it. And, uh, it's tragic, but, and it's good to see people overcome adversity, but it's, uh, you know, I think, I think it's, it's, it's common sense now that we know that that's, that's an important thing. So that family unit, uh, I don't think there's, there should be any controversy anymore. Okay, let me hit you with this, because as we speak, there is a caravan of people marching towards the border from Central America. Uh, there's upward of 7,000 of them. Is that a prime time place for these would-be child traffickers to be hiding out? Oh, yeah. Yeah, anytime there's, there's, uh, there are large groups of people like that or there's chaos, uh, predators will take advantage and capitalize on the situation. So, um it's it's again it's heartbreaking to see children in a situation like that. What what country are they looking to come to? What what type of freedom and liberty are those people seeking? They're they're seeking our country. We we're we've got a constitutional republic that gives we the people the say so of what our government does and what our elected officials do for us. And it's so desirable, it's so empowering to the we, the people, that people will flood here and take desperate measures to get here. So why, oh, why would people be out, any politicians or any citizens, be out to attack our Constitution and attack our our governmental system that's been so effective and so so desirable from all of the rest of the world for, for so long? So I think uh, to to try to take our country and tear it apart and make it uh, a socialist system like Venezuela, I mean, you don't see big caravans of of all this number of people desperately trying to claw their way into socialist Venezuela. You don't see it. I think that that freedom and liberty, man, that's that's all about the human experience and the soul of someone and just letting them be free to create and earn and enjoy, pursue their their own happiness. You know, we want to preserve that. That's what I fought to defend. That's what I serve to defend. And uh, I think we all need to, to take a hard look at what has made this company, country so strong and, and effective and desirable and, uh, and defend those things, man, and shore them up, bolster them. And 
strengthen them, rebuild, and, uh, and protect it. Yes, and I am somebody that is very thankful for the blessing of being born in this country. And I've, I love this country. I've never been out of it. And I honor and respect all of the men and women who fight and sacrifice so much to defend this nation and give me the freedom and to give the freedom to all those that I love. I mean, I do my best to have as many veterans here on the podcast to let them share their fatherhood experiences. Because I'll tell you what, Craig, when I have to put in a 16-hour day at my job or work two doubles in a row, I really miss my kids. And I can't even imagine being separated from them by having to go halfway around the world on a deployment for like six months and also have my life on the line that entire time. So, you know, from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to say thank you and to thank all your fellow warriors for what you guys do. Well, and I appreciate seeing all those people out there working too. You know, I, I, I've, I've served in the military most of my adult life in federal law enforcement. I, uh, I look around, I see so many people serving in a lot of different ways and I, I appreciate them all. And I realize, you know, so many people that do serve, they do spend more time away from their families, and that comes at a price. You know, the families, the, the children, you know, I can tell my children to do something until I'm blue in the face. I mean, I would love it if I just said, you know, daughter, clean your room. It's just, um, she's had so, you know, I would love it. I could imagine that she had so much reverence and respect. Oh, Papa, yes, and it would, you know, she would just keep it clean forever, right? <laughs> I would, I would love to be that, that awe-inspiring, but uh, it doesn't quite work that way. I could tell my kids things, they're like, yeah, okay, I hear you, and they'll obey me, and they'll take action. But what they do more is they mimic what we actually do, what they see us do, how we live our lives. They begin to mimic. That's our bigger influence. Actions speak louder than words. So they'll do what we tell them to do, uh, but they watch and they mimic what we actually do. So I think that's important for us all to understand, uh, and that's that's something that, you know, those of us that work away from home a lot, uh, there's a price to be paid there, but uh, we make the best of it when we are home. But, again, it just reinforces the 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 knowledge that being with your kids is is so important to have that that uh, time that interaction that mentoring so that we can uh, instill in them our our moral values our our ethical traits and our, our principles so that they uh, can go forward and uh, benefit from our lessons learned and, and have a productive and happy life well said, Craig. All right, what do you have coming up? Do you have any other documentaries that you're working on uh, for us to look forward to? What, what are you working on right now? Well, we've got one of the biggest uh, production companies in the business. Uh, we're uh, having meetings just uh, in the next couple of days. And so there's going to be great stuff from that. We're not ready for a an announcement yet, but they want to take our documentary. We've been filming a documentary for 18 months about child trafficking so we can show the American people what it is that they couldn't quite believe if you just told it to them. So we're going to actually show them our operations uh, down on the border, what happens, uh, what happens in the bars and brothels and even in the mountain villages where they get the children from in Southeast Asia, uh, what happens with our sting operations, what, uh, what we do with federally, with, with federal and local law enforcement. Uh, they're going to hear from experts, surviving witnesses and victims, the perps themselves. So there's a lot of story 
Uh, and they'll even see uh, our daughter and, and uh, the operations that I described to you. They'll, they'll be able to see all of that. And uh, so we're excited about that. And there's more uh, opportunities to come from just that. There's also a firearm that I've been working on uh, for our military. You know, I was a Navy SEAL sniper, and I was uh, instrumental in developing several of the new uh, firearms throughout the 90s. And I've been working with some of the top manufacturers since then, and uh, I've, I've devised a, a firearm that is about 30 years in advance of anything that's been out there. So my motive for that is to put a better uh, piece of equipment in the hands of our warfighters so that they are uh, they're more effective and they more of them come home safe. And wow, that feels awesome. pretty good too. So yeah, that's a completely separate. Uh, deal, and uh, other than that, just trying to uh, spend more time with with my kids as we grow, and uh, just just hang out and and share time. Awesome. And you know what? Before I get to my last question here, one thing I forgot to ask you about: uh, what type of role, if any, do women play in child sex trafficking? Well, a lot of times the women will lure the the girls or boys into harm's way. So they are the recruiters in a lot of a lot of cases. Um, there are a lot of sadistic women too that that do harm the children. They they get off on it. They they enjoy inflicting the harm. So it's it's not really gender specific. And there are a lot of boys uh, that are that are victims, not just the girls. And in fact, some of the male uh, abusers come in harder and faster um, when they think there's there's boys for sale than they do even for the girls. So it's just creepy and, and disgusting. So it's it's evil is what it is. And the reason I, I decided to throw my back into it and bring some of the senior intelligence community officials, federal law enforcement officials, and, and spec ops veterans that, that I've worked with all over the world is because I was told that this was ultimately the front lines between good and evil. And I've learned over the last 18 months that that was not an exaggeration. Uh, just since I've started this, there has been tens of thousands of, of people, online trolls. Uh, we, we believe they're, they're paid to do so. And, uh, one, at least one, uh, religious cult, a satanic cult, that there are people have been trying to uh, slander me and tear me down and accuse me of everything, the, the opposite of everything I've lived my life to, <laughs> to, to, to demonstrate that I believe in. And, uh, but we know that the only reason anybody would level, will bring that level of energy and effort to try to silence me is because what we're doing is effective and we threaten something. So me alerting the populace and sounding the alarm that, hey, Child trafficking is a threat, and our children are in danger. Look out for these child traffickers. This is a big deal. Uh, we're upsetting the apple cart because there's a lot of people taking uh, offense and, and getting very desperate to silence me. So Veterans for Child Rescue, our mission has already been enormously effective at alerting the populace and, and, and rattling uh, the predators. So I, I'm proud of that resistance, you know. Uh, nobody would bother with me if, if I weren't a threat. So uh, it's ugly, and it's it's not what you would think. It's, uh, it is evil, it, it, regardless of anyone's 
religious beliefs or preferences, I, I do believe there is a force of good and there's a force of evil. And and uh, what's going on with the kids can't be described as anything less than evil. It's just the worst of the worst. So we've we've got to beat it back. And the and the fight to do that has been atypical. It has been strange uh, due to that. So it's it's like a lot of people refer to it as spiritual warfare. So a lot of our people that that uh, that are very effective at helping the kids. Uh, and arresting the predators, they're, they're Christians and they're believers and there's a lot of prayer and, uh, it, it's, it's kind of like that. So it's, it's a unique, it's different than any battle I've ever been a part of. I just, I just want to stop people from raping kids. You know, it was that simple for me, but, uh, I'm learning more about what it takes and, and, uh, the dynamic uh, as we get deeper into it. But it's been a journey. Yeah, no doubt there is a battle of good and evil taking place here on Earth, a battle between light and dark. And thank God we have you and your brothers and sisters on the side of the light because, uh, I mean, I have goose pimples on me right now as we're speaking about this. And I am so proud that we have people like you guys because, honestly, without you and the people like you, we wouldn't even stand a chance out here, Craig. But let me throw it back over to fatherhood here before I wrap this up. One question I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast here, what type of advice do you have for the new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening well uh to be dad i would say just to realize that having a child changes your perspective it changes everything uh your priorities change it's not all about you anymore you find that you don't care about your toys your man toys or you, you care more about the development and, and the love of your, your little one it's a beautiful thing it's a welcome uh change and journey and uh the new fathers i would say man just just hang out and love them and, and uh don't trust them to anybody. Uh, you know, a lot of predators work themselves in a position of authority where they have access to children, um, and a lot of those are trusted official positions. So, sadly, most of our elected, or not elected officials, but most of our public officials are honorable and trustworthy people, but not all. And the ones that are that are that are not are a lot of the ones that are harming the children. So I would say uh, be hyper vigilant and look after your children. Try not to uh, leave them alone with anyone if you don't absolutely have to, and try to minimize that exposure. I'm, I'm a believer in security cameras. You know, covert security cameras. It just keeps people honest. And uh, so just just try to realize that uh, not everybody's as trustworthy as we would like them to be and so let's look after our little ones so nobody's um, shattering their little psyche when we when we think they're safe awesome craig sawyer i can't say thank you enough for giving me a few minutes of your time right here today on first class fatherhood no absolutely it was a pleasure i, I enjoyed it and i appreciate you giving me the time to get the word out because again uh, i care about all of our kids and, and uh, people need to know this so that they can rise up with me. So I appreciate uh, their their assistance as well as your assistance in getting the word out. And this is not just me. This is not my fight. We can all do something. People say nice things about me and what I'm doing, and I say, look, man, we can all do something with this. We can all be heroes. If you want to put the word hero on someone that saves kids, we can all either donate, we can all volunteer, we can all share and spread the word, uh, we can all keep an eye out and notify law enforcement. And so 
And nobody has to do it by themselves, so I don't want anybody to feel overwhelmed in this big burden where they've got to save the day for the entire country. But uh, together we are what we can't be alone. We can all rise up and create a safer tomorrow for the kids. Awesome. All right, I'll be right back after a quick spot. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I have got to give a special thank you once again to Craig, the Sawman Sawyer, for giving me a few minutes of his time here today. That was really cool. Please hit me up on Twitter. Drop me a DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to hear your feedback. And I hope you guys enjoy your weekend out there. Please spread the word about today's podcast. It really was a powerful episode. I hope you guys got as much out of it as I did. Um, I hope you guys enjoy your weekend out there in fatherhood land. Enjoy your kids. I will be certainly enjoying mine after that conversation with Craig Sawyer. And uh, please, if you get a chance, get over there and visit vetsforchildrescue.org. It is an important fight, one that all of us dads should have a play a little bit of a part of. I'm trying to do what I can right here to get the word out to all of you guys. So please, let's all get involved and let's stop these bastards from harming our children, okay? Um, That's all I got for you guys today. Next week, I got some awesome guests coming your way. I have another former Navy SEAL coming at you. This time, it's the Canine Warrior. I will have Mike Ritland here with me. And also, I will have first-class father and entrepreneur Brad Lee joining me here on the podcast next week. So that's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. You've been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first-class fathers. Don't tell.